Hello and welcome to At The Source. I'm Alex and this is Karis. This is a podcast about food stories. We love talking about food. And eating it. And now we're on a mission to record and share interesting food stories from people all over the UK and beyond. Join us as we explore food in all its glory. Welcome to At The Source. Today we're in Market Harborough, a lovely little town in Leicestershire, talking to Nicola Stokes, the Marketing and Brand Manager at Farnden Fields, a family-owned, multi-award winning farm and farm shop with a focus on local sustainable produce, including vegetables grown on the farm, meat, bread, beer and cakes. Nicola's parents started the shop from their garage in 1985 and now it's a 550-acre farm, shop, butchery and restaurant. I've visited many times before and there are actually several posts about it over on Gingy Bites, so I wanted to find out more and here we are. Thank you for having us, Nicola. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming. On a Saturday as well. Dragged you out, but uh, we really appreciate it. So we always start the podcast with the same question that we ask everybody, and it is, what is your first memory of food? Okay, my first memory. Well, when the shop was originally over in our farm shop garage, which is literally just like next door from where we are now, we used to have chickens in a lovely little paddock where the shop is now. So it was just in the field next door and we had lots of chickens and ducks for the pond. And we used to go and collect the, chick- the eggs as kids with my brother. And my favourite dish was chucky eggs and soldiers. Chucky eggs. Does everyone know what chucky eggs is? Okay, can you explain at least for the Australian in the room, <laughs> if, if not for people who are listening to this? It's basically dippy eggs. Most people know them as dippy eggs. And soldiers are the toast. Oh, soldiers. okay. You so, see, yeah. I knew so what that was soldiers. straight away. Because well, you would, because I'm you from Leicestershire as well. World. Is yeah. chucky a Leicestershire thing? I knew what you would... Yeah, I'd yeah. say a chucky egg and soldiers. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know it was a Leicestershire thing. I thought everyone knew it as chucky egg and soldiers. Yeah, well, we called them egg and soldiers. Oh, so you said soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely soldiers. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. Definitely soldiers. We soft-boiled egg and soldiers or something like that. Anyway. Soft-boiled egg doesn't sound as good. So in the intro, we mentioned that the shop and the farm were started by your parents, but it's not quite as simple as that. And there's almost a little bit of a romantic sort of angle to the story of, you know, where things first started. So could you tell us about how your dad, Kevin, got this process moving? Well, so he was at agricultural college and he met a friend and they hit it off. And basically, Farndon Fields was where his friend was from, and it was his family who lived here. But they weren't farming, they they just had some land. And it was my dad and his friend's plan to come here and grow fruit and veg and plough up the fields. And so they hatched their little plan, and they came here, and they started farming. And a couple of years in, my dad's working really hard. He's still single, hasn't met the lady... And a mutual friend (laughs) set him up with my mum. And all my mum knew was he was a farmer and had a shop. So she wasn't quite sure, but she thought, okay, well, let's let's meet him and see what happens. And they hit it off. And then when they moved in together, my mum moved to Farnham Fields. And it's a coincidence, really. She's a trained interior designer and specialised in retail commercial design. So shop, designer... They worked really well together. So we have a lovely farm shop, which hopefully is a little bit different to what you think a farm shop might be. 
And very different to what it could have been if your dad hadn't met your mum, which was probably still a garage selling bags of potatoes, right? It was very much a rough, round-the-edges garage. (laughs) Nothing pretty about it. Do you have photos of it back then? Yeah, yeah, we do. We've got quite a lot of photos. Because it was actually in that garage. The shop was there from 83 up until 98? End of 98? Yeah, so it was quite a long time. Um, and um, it grew and grew and, and well, like within the restraints of a garage mm. um, like we used to have plants outside the front and pumpkins would be outside so they used to use as much of the outside space which was our garden mm. um, kind of got all swallowed up by the shop and what um, was he actually selling at that point? so at that point it originally started with potatoes that was the first thing um, and then they were successful at that. So they started then growing more vegetables like cabbages and broccoli and like, you know, you kind of your staple uh, greens. Then that went really well. So then started on strawberries and then it grew and grew kind of like this. I did like Brussels sprouts in winter and pumpkins and things. And as more people came to the shop and more people heard about them, literally word of mouth, there was no other advertising whatsoever, just like a sign on the road. Um, they'd got local honey, some eggs from someone, someone locally, um, a few chutneys and things. But we, you know, we didn't have meat, didn't have dairy. Not not until much later on. It was very much kind of like your staple cupboard stuff, and didn't have bakery either. Mm. Um, it wasn't until I think in the like mid to late nineties that all of those things came together, and we had a fridge. A little dinky fridge with some milk in and, you know, nothing like fancy. It was kind of like, it was mainly fruit and veg. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't have any meat whatsoever until this big, this big purpose-built shop was done in 1999. That was added. And the shop has been part of your life since, well, the day you were born, really, because your parents had already started it. So do you have any memories of the shop as a kid? I know you mentioned picking up eggs and things like that, but do you have any other memories of, you know, standing behind the till and hoping that, you know, you could serve a customer or something like that? Yeah, I've got tons of memories because me me and my brother, we used to kind of be left to it a little bit because they're pretty busy in the shop serving customers and our house is connected, so we weren't alone. We, we, you know, our parents were like right there. That's a different time. Even if you weren't yeah. left alone, it wouldn't be a problem. It wasn't a problem. We, you know, <laughs> we were like eight, nine. So it was like you can look after yourself, can't you? At that age, but yeah. We used to go and like help count the change out the till. Oh, um, <laughs> actually, that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. We loved it, and I remember used to. Um, like, we used to get the local photographer for the local newspaper. He used to come really regularly to, to like, promote what was maybe new in season or what were we doing that was a bit different. And I remember one year we wanted to promote our pumpkins. So I sat up the front on some straw bales with my hand on my, <laughs> my chin on my hands, like, posing for a photograph next to a load of pumpkins. And then it was in the Harbour Mail and we got the cut out, you know, and the parents are so proud and they put a little frame. Oh, I was about to ask if there was a frame photo <laughs> yeah. of it in your house somewhere. That's the thing, though. When you're, when you're a little kid, you play shops. Yeah. That's was, one of the yeah. things that you do. And mm. so this was kind of like your playground, I guess. Oh, it really was. We used to love people watching. We used to watch all the customers out of bedroom window. <laughs> We used to like spy on them, and it felt really naughty. But well, it was our front garden; like we were fine. We used to love doing things, and I remember there's this one memory of um, 
at Christmas time, we had this this Christmas tree, this fake Christmas tree, like it's about a couple of feet high. We used to have it on top of this counter unit and it was animated and would sing a Christmas carol when you walked past it. And I was one of those really naughty kids who just like set it off about 5,000 times. And I'd just stand there and just keep popping up. And my mum was like, get in the house, get oh, in yeah. the kitchen, stop annoying everyone. I'd be like, taking the batteries out. <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was the best thing ever. So yeah, school holidays, we were just hanging around the shop and... Um, Menaces, no doubt. Yeah, we yeah. yeah we used to go and like munch on strawberries and things. <laughs> now, okay, so you've mentioned strawberries a couple of times, and we do have a question about strawberries on our list, but it's further down. I'm just going to ask it now. She's changing the order. I'm sorry. You're a rebel. So you mentioned <laughs> strawberries, and Farnham Fields is quite well known for strawberries, and you're selling more than thirty thousand punnets of strawberries every year, and that that's a, as a number. That blows my mind because it's not just 30,000 strawberries, it's 30,000 punnets of strawberries. So how did strawberries become a major part of what you do? I, well, they were one of the early crops when my dad started farming here. And that was like traditional strawberry growing. So in the ground, you know how you imagine it in the ground with straw in between the rows? Mm. The straws used to stop weeds growing up, by the way. That's what that's there for. Not for pretty effect. Yeah, um, let's have a new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so we've been growing it for such a long time. And strawberries, well, everyone loves strawberries. So I think demand just kind of led the way, really. Because we were literally, we were literally farm to customer like direct you know completely Mm. direct so customer demand kind of directed what was being grown Mm. and then with technology started doing tabletop growing have you seen tabletop strawberries before i think so so they're under poly tunnels and up on tabletops so they're easier to pick so they're not as and they're also um not affected by weeds and you can protect them from the rain with the poly tunnel and it also makes it a little bit warmer it's not like a greenhouse but it's just a bit more protected so the Mm. crop isn't so vulnerable to if we have a bad summer um so we changed over to that i think in the early 2000s um and that just helped the crop grow even more then we could have more strawberries in the shop and then it was kind of like well we can't keep up and (laughs) And, and it, the, the varieties that my dad chooses to grow, I think, are quite key to that because there's so many varieties of strawberries and it's very much like rearing animals. Like, you choose different kind of strains to get different qualities. So mm. if you want a fast-growing plant that's going to grow a strawberry really quickly because it's cheaper for you to farm it because you don't obviously have to feed it as much and um, you can get a return quicker, you choose so-and-so variety but if you really want sweet like lovely juicy strawberries they are probably slower bearing varieties that might actually have less fruit on them as well because the plant needs to have more energy to create more Mm. sugars in the the fruit so there's a bit of technicality and science behind it all so my dad's always chosen the sweet varieties he hasn't chosen the ones that just grow lots of fruit which taste of nothing taste of water yeah so it's absolutely about the quality not the quantity exactly essentially yeah Yeah. quality not quantity and so we like you grow as many plants and set aside as much space as you can for that equally we've got to have enough people to pick them because strawberries are very much like 
they're ready, got to pick them. Mm. You know, if you leave them two days, they're gone. Mm. Um, by the time we get them into the shop later that day, they could already be turning. And then you obviously at home want to have at least a few days to enjoy them. You don't want to have to eat them straight away, do you? <laughs> so we, obviously that's also a factor. It's like how many people can we actually afford to employ to pick? Yeah. have to be realistic because it's such a shame to have food waste. You don't want strawberries hanging there and no one to pick them. Our team's great. So we have full-time people who we've employed now for quite a few years and they're a really good farm team we have five on the farm at the moment and yeah they pick they pick all the fruit and veg so they have a really tough job because yeah. in all weather all wind weather, yeah. rain snow sleet heating you know the when we had that summer last year when it was mm. absolutely boiling in those polytunnels it would have been mental yeah well we they obviously they didn't work during the heat of the day They'd start early. Then you could, could and you? Then, mm. No, we had mm. like a, they had used to have like siesta kind of thing, like a three hour break oh. over the heat of the day because nice. you just couldn't work in no. thirty plus conditions. It was impossible. No way. So um, I'm going to jump in and ask a question. You... Is that question anything to do with how many strawberries do you think you eat? And... No, it's not. <laughs> you and can you actually ever get sick of strawberries yes you can oh, I no. did <laughs> I did a few years ago because we're so like because we start picking end of May beginning of June and then we have them all the way up to September because we stagger what when we plant them so you get crops that keep cropping um and I was like, I'm so sick of strawberries. Because <laughs> my dad, when I lived at home, my dad would bring a punnet home, no joke, like every day. We'd have another fresh punnet. And he's like, <laughs> they're great. They're brilliant. I was like, I know they are. But please, can I just have a break from strawberries? And then when you see them all the time, they kind of don't become special anymore. It's really sad. So I did fall out of love with strawberries. But I'm back in love. Oh, I'm back in love. Use. Now I don't live at home. That's much more of a treat to take them home on the weekend. That's what I kind of... <laughs> Try and like limit it to weekend treats. It sounds like it's something naughty, like takeaway or booze, but it it's actually strawberries. So, <laughs> um, what I was going to ask before Karis jumped in with a good question. So, the whole ethos of the farm shop when it first began was local, and things that you sold in the shop were grown on the farm. And then, as as the shop grew and you started to get kind of other local suppliers around the place, um, you obviously kind of continued with that down that track of having locally produced stuff in the shop now that the shop is so much bigger and you sell all sorts of wonderful things from fruit and veg to meat to chutneys to stuff for homewares and gardening um how important is it still that you have local suppliers it's really important it's like the backbone of everything we do um there's there's really strict kind of guidelines as to what we buy and why we're buying it like we don't want to just sell as much like as big a variety as possible we're we're really restrictive so like our homeware section when we started that um we started that because personally we have an interest like my mum's a designer I'm pretty Mm. arty like we really like doing interior things and like making you know kitchen is the heart of the home and equally food in the kitchen it all kind of connects so absolutely so that's kind of what we were doing we were kind of like connecting the food through into the home Mm. kind of feeling so our rule with the gift area is it needs to be related to food and kitchen cooking sharing it you know so it's like plates and Mm. crockery but you know special crockery we're not looking to try and be you know have 
I, I don't know, look like John Lewis at all. We're, yeah. we're trying to be like a really select variety of things. And so gardening equally, like we have lots of fruit and veg and herb plants and mm. things for you to grow at home and and also kind of create the kind of country and like outdoor experience because we love being on the farm and the outdoor, outdoors mm. and really want other people to nurture that. So it's it's really important. Like our buying policy is really strict to local in, in line with our ethos and in line with kind of like it's also kind of like what we're interested in because yeah. it's kind of like what, what you're interested in you, you're good at in a way um, so we're really interested in like being in the kitchen like creating like a really lovely kitchen like my mum designed her kitchen at home from scratch and like there's a science between why the fridge is there and why the oven's there and where, where the chopping board's going to go so then she's re- she really loves wooden chopping boards. So then we found this really amazing guy who made chopping boards from scratch out of lovely old gnarly bits of wood. And we sell really nice wooden chopping boards downstairs. And that's, that's, like, that's it. There's mm. no other, there's nothing else. We're not trying to deceive or, yeah. you know, trying to trick anyone into, well, once we've got you here, we're going to sell you all sorts of rubbish. But I absolutely love that. It's kind of similar to the podcast, isn't it? So we we find the stories that we're interested in and like like with you guys if if we if we're interested in it then we think other people will be too but it's even um we were having a look around earlier before we came to chat to you there's like huge bags of bird seed and they're from leicestershire even things like that it's obviously as a leicestershire girl it's great to see so many local producers under one roof um but a lot of the stuff still comes from the farm here and you have your own pigs and um obviously all of your vegetables yeah it's quite cool and you have two types of pigs here right well we we did have um gloucestershire old spots to start with um they're not as productive well i say tamworths aren't really that productive either because they're all old breeds and slow growing breeds but my dad personally got a bit of a soft spot for the tamworths because they're ginger (laughs) yay your dad's also a ginger my brother is Uh. (laughs) and my mum was she's kind of turned a bit brunette um but yeah so and there's a photo of them right there Um, ginger's the best so yeah they're they're lovely pigs and tamworths are kind of you know it's nearer like tamworth the place i Mm. think there must be a connection with the name there which is for paris and everybody else's purposes also in leicestershire (laughs) well we have a tamworth in australia so well you never know it's country music capital of australia oh anyway (laughs) continue on uh with that but yeah, lots of our stuff is still homegrown and we now also make a lot of things. So our own cakes and um, I noticed that. puddings and desserts and things. And the kitchen is a new addition about four years ago. It's just trying to like connect through the story, you know, really from farm to kitchen to fork. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to make it like what we're offering a bit more unique. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much as... Um, similar to what you can find in other shops because we don't sell any of our produce to anywhere else mm. what we make and grow we only sell here so my next question from that just listen to you talk it sounds like you're really quite passionate about the farming side of things but you're the marketing and brand manager was there a reason you decided to go down that road as opposed to because your brother's a scientist so is there a reason you decided to go marketing in that creative sort of channels i suppose it happened quite naturally because when i came back from i went to art college and i'm quite creative and when i came back from art college i um i wanted to work back in the business 
and we didn't do any marketing at that point like it we, we didn't need to we, it just naturally happened with word of mouth and also marketing was a bit unknown I think it was only becoming a bit of a buzzword and known to smaller businesses um, and my parents were aware of it but weren't really sure how to broach the subject and I was like oh yeah marketing yeah I could look into this a bit more <laughs> and I was like I get to be creative right I can do creative stuff um, like you know design things and you know look into how you can connect with people in different quirky ways and so I started looking into it and they were like actually yeah because I know I live I've lived the story really I've been part of it so I know us yeah you know through and through so who who better to kind of I don't want to blow my own trumpet but who better to <laughs> sell the story who knows the story the best and when it's it com- my life well that's it when it comes to sales and marketing if you truly believe in what it is you're trying to sell it's so much easier and you do so such a much better job because you truly believe in it yeah like I don't need to do research because I know it because it's <laughs> yeah. been my life um but equally obviously there's always things I want to learn and know and like it's great being part of a food scene in Market Harbour and Leicestershire as, as gen- in general because that's grown so much in like the last five six years. Mm. Like, like food has like gone through the roof, um, so it's been fab. Like that we've been in a position that we can kind of look and expand and kind of look at what other people are doing and thinking, oh, that's a brilliant idea. They're really like I love these new. It's really interesting and working with new suppliers and new businesses. Um, I know we're a little bit older and more developed, but that gives us a position to to kind of give back and work with some other companies that are local. So, yeah, it's kind of marketing is very... I say marketing and branding. I kind of get involved in quite a lot more than that. It definitely sounds like you do. Yeah. Do you think eventually this will be your kind of... You'll be taking over and running the joint? I don't know, because there's farming basically... Kevin loves farming. My dad, I call him Kevin. I was going to say, find what that do you weird. call him in the office? So Kevin and Millie. I think yeah. that would be. I think that's. I think I'd call my dad Daniel if I was working with him. Is his yeah. name Daniel? No, no. I just call him Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know your dad was called Daniel. Well, I wouldn't just make a name up on the spot. Anywho, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I call them Kevin and Millie. But no, I. I don't think so. Kevin loves farming. That's his first first love. And I think he will never stop farming. Um, whilst I I really love being creative, so I kind of want to do more. What could I do more creative wise? Mm. Um, not necessarily like I used to work on the tills, and I used to, to mm. do that. Like that was I've definitely gone through all the jobs. Which I've, is your favourite? Oh God, counting the change. <laughs> yeah, counting the change. Okay, a more recent job. <laughs> I I enjoyed. Um, I don't know. I did. I enjoyed waitressing a bit, though it is a really like hardcore job. Mm-hmm. It, it's really intense and busy. I did enjoy that. That was like, quite a while ago. Now I did that. Um, but no, I well, when I was a kid, I we we did go and plant strawberries on the farm. We did get worked outside, and that I really did enjoy that being outside and growing. Kind of, we used to riddle potatoes. Whether you know Wriggle potatoes. Riddle. riddle. Oh, riddle. Well, that that still doesn't make sense. <laughs> what, what's that? So, riddling is basically sorting. So, you're so, sorting the good and the bad potatoes out of a crop. So, you've already picked them and harvested them into a box. 
So they're ton boxes, and then you tip the ton boxes into the riddling machine, which is basically like a big conveyor belt that takes them onto a platform where people are standing and they pick by eye, just go, oh, that doesn't look great. That's going in that box. And that box, that's the bad box. Um, we supply our local next-door neighbour farmer, and he uses potatoes as cattle feed, so they don't go to waste. The, the, when we say bad... They, they could have, like, a bit chopped off them. Um, they might be a bit slug-eaten. You know, so they're not, like, mouldy or anything. They're just... Regardless, they're just... They're, they're getting used, and I think that's the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, they get used. Yeah. This riddling machine, I have images of, like, the um, kind of American gold rush, like, <laughs> with the pans sorting through for, like, golden nuggets along the line. Yeah, not so different. Potatoes yeah. are pretty great. So you mentioned um, about the waitressing, and obviously... I first found out about Fondham Fields because I was working in Market Harbour and my friends and I would come over. If we felt that we had a good enough amount of time for our lunch break, we'd come over here and we'd have lunch. Um, Karis and I were just sat down there having a cup of tea and the restaurant has obviously grown a lot and you've kind of got this big open kitchen and the menu looks amazing. So I guess that you now have a lot of people who will come here just for, for food, right? almost yeah. as a restaurant experience we do yeah we do have quite a lot of people who come for for just the food like they come for breakfast breakfast or brunch is really popular um your afternoon tea looked amazing by the way and if we hadn't yeah. already had lunch we would have had that <laughs> <laughs> yeah afternoon tea is is really popular too and i think that's just kind of happened naturally we're a bit taken back i think it's, it's almost like kind of you have to be on it with food trends as well and what mm. people are interested in but we've offered afternoon tea for years and years and years but you've got to develop it and keep changing it so we offer a sweet or a savory one oh, um amazing. and you can mix and match if you, one of you wants to have one and then you mix and share so that's quite cool and not many places do do that which is um quite different and we we like trying different things and trying new things, but yeah, you have to. Yeah, you stagnate. Yeah. What are some of the things that you get to try? Because as you're sitting there telling us about some of the things that you do, I'm actually imagining you're doing lots of other things. You know, do you get involved with new products that come into the store? Do you sort of keep an eye out for those trends and say, "Hey, Kev, um, you know, this is really popular," or "Hey, Millie, this is really popular. Let's get that in the shop." Is that yeah? That I'm definitely when you're. Well, new products that we make in our kitchen, I kind of, well, we all try and taste them and test them. And like, we look at them, take photos, go, does it look good? Does it, will it, you know, pop out on the shelf? Um, taste it. We get, try and get as many people to taste stuff and write comments. And- Available. <laughs> Just pointing at both of us. <laughs> and so that is a fun part of it, I must say. It is lovely and you get to taste the most delicious things. Um, but they've also then got to, you know, you've got to think about um, margin and how long did it take you to make that and can we make enough? And, you know, there's a lot more to it about, um, it, unfortunately, not everything does make the shelf that we make um, and we try out new things, new flavours and then new products. So I'm on social media all the time because I'm marketing. So, yeah, I see new products that someone might have talked about on Twitter. I click through and go, actually, that looks really good. And that's definitely in line with what we're looking for. It's in line with our ethos and the products that we sell. Um, I then talk to Helen, who's our buyer, 
um, and say, Helen, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Because she's kind of got her ear to the ground and we go to tr- lots of trade shows. Mm. Love a trade show. Mm. <laughs> you see so much there. Um, and so she's like, maybe she's seen it or maybe she hasn't. Um, and then I say, hey, why don't we check it out? Get some samples in. We always get samples because we've got to try before yeah, we buy. Absolutely. You know, you don't just go, the packaging looks great. We'll have it. Mm. Nah, it's got to taste good. Um, so we always get samples in and then go from there and then see what we think. And um, yeah, my mum, Millie, she has the final say on all the products. And equally, I have quite a lot of input as well. If I'm in the office, I'll stick my nose in and say, no, I don't think that will work. Or mm. yeah, let's go for it. So obviously, we're not far from Multimobri, which is the kind of food, rural food capital of the UK. And Leicestershire is also quite well known for some really interesting kind of local foods. So when we were walking around the shop earlier, it it amazed me and impressed me just how many local suppliers there are um, available. And in the beer section, for example, you had beers from the Langton Brewery, which is literally down the road, cider from Market Harborough, which is here. Um, I think what I'm trying to say, I'm going to get there in the end, is that we live in Bristol, which is obviously this huge food capital and it's really trendy for independence but actually what you've got in Leicestershire is some really incredible producers and they're all here that wasn't a question was it it was just a little statement statement yeah we do I agree (laughs) (laughs) we are all in agreement we're done now (laughs) but actually I think we are you know we are mostly at the end but I guess and I know that from what I've seen being in, in the UK for the last couple of years is that farm shops um, there are quite a few of them, but the, the quality is sort of up and down. And I think I think a lot of that I've noticed has to do with community and how it has to do with how involved that shop is in the community. So for, for Fun and Fields, how important is the community for you? It's hugely important because where we're located, we're, we were on the edge of the town and we're kind of now engrossed in the town it's kind of grown around us a bit um so we're we're not out in the sticks where we can just hide away in a hole and ignore everyone at all we're very much part of the town and have been um for a long time so yeah community is really important because you know the team that work here they're all from the local community everyone lives in the town or around in the villages and a lot of people have known us from when we were in the garage and when they were kids and so it's it's lovely that people kind of remember us as well from the good old days <laughs> and that we've been, we're fortunate and you say luck, you make your own luck, I believe, but okay. lucky that we've been, you know, we are a long-standing family-run business, 30 plus years, 35 plus years. Um, and unfortunately, there, there isn't, that isn't always the case for some family businesses, especially farming businesses. So yeah, community, you know, we wouldn't be here if they didn't support us at the mm. end of the day. Mm. So it's a massive part of what we do. And we, we give back as much as we can. And like supporting like local groups and, you know, give back in a charitable way. As well as like our time um, and, and supporting schools and things and communicating the whole farming story and growing and food and all of that. But I do think as a business, what we offer is also it's it's so heartwarming to see like we are like a meeting place for quite a lot of people and like mums and babies and older groups that come out from the nursing home in the bus like because we're quite big 
like our restaurant has 140 seats so we have the space and and the like the variety of food as well that we offer that we can cater for quite a lot of different types of people mm. and um and so yeah so we attract like, lots of different people and it's so lovely to see like the groups from the nursing home come like 20 odd and they walk through the shop and they you know it's great for them they get to get out but it's also we've had the space to welcome them yeah um and they can spend as much time as they want here um, spend the whole morning and and it, it's green tea. yeah it's really really lovely it may it makes me feel a bit like you know you well up a little bit when you're like oh I bet you know that's their trip out this week yeah and you know oh yeah I don't I don't want to like I'm not trying to give the like we're the best thing since sliced bread but we are <laughs> lucky that we're able to support the community in more ways than just um, charitable and giving I think what we offer actually enriches people who live around here like these new houses so we have a new housing estate which is next door um which was a field that we farmed but we were tenants so the owners sold it to the housing uh, developers and when we saw on the website for david wilson homes when these houses were being built and sold that farm shop next door was like one of the top marketing points and we're like hell yeah (laughs) let's be proud of that that everyone wants the, the you know we're the best corner stop shop for them yeah award-winning corner shop yeah so i think that's brilliant and also it brings it closer to home like we are lucky enough to be to have this lovely food quality delicious healthy and as unpackaged as possible as well i might add as people's like convenience you know Mm. and so we're kind of bringing it to them a bit more It's, Mm. it's more readily available you don't have to get in the car and drive half an hour to find us luckily for so many people in market harbour we are there close shop so that's a brilliant part of our community because we're convenient and I think that's the key to life because no one wants it to be hard to be healthy should be hard nothing should be hard and we want to make it as easy as possible for people to shop here and enjoyable and rememberable oh that's awful grammar (laughs) no but that's okay I think it's beautifully said and the sentiment is perfect should we end it there I think we should yeah perfect Thank you so much. Um, that was okay. great. It's such an interesting story, and like you said, to to have a family family business that's still going thirty five years later is pretty impressive. So you're obviously doing everything right. Um, if you enjoyed listening to Nick's story, you'll probably enjoy listening to some of our other podcast episodes. And you can find them on our website, which is at thesource dot com. You can find us on iTunes. Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the usual places. And uh, for pictures and just generally Karis and I rambling on about food stuff, uh, follow us on Twitter at The Source. That's it for now. Over and out.